You're listening to the Secret Muse Society, where we pull out the things we keep hidden about ourselves. What are the secrets that actually hold us back from the connection we crave? And what happens when we tap into the inspiration we have to offer the world? I'm your host, authenticity coach, Karen Choi. Let's dive in together. Hello, Muse. This is episode 14. Are there words that make you cringe? Cringy, cringy, cringy. Turns out there are certain words that make the average person cringe more than others. Several polls and surveys conducted by sources such as Oxford Dictionaries and Reader's Digest provided interesting results from readers about their least favorite words. I'm going to share with you a few of the most hated words in the English language. Are you ready for it? What do you think is the first one? Moist? Yeah, moist is by far the clear winner when it comes to the least favorite words. And it has been around since 1325 AD, which means a lot of people have had a lot of time to get sick of it. And I know that a lot of my girlfriends do not like the word moist. Moist cake? What else could be moist? I personally really like the word moist. And I also really like the word Moisha, which is Moses in Hebrew. Moi, what is it that you don't like? Is it the Moi or is it the St? Or is it just the feeling of moist? Another word on this list is flap. (laughs) Flap, yeah. Like the flap of a bird when it's flying or the flap, like a skin tag, the extra skin you get. What is it about flap that you don't like? One of the reasons I don't like flap is it kind of makes me think of the flip-flops. And you know when you hear that sound when people are walking on the pool deck or sometimes wearing slippers in the house? I really don't like the sound of flap. Here's another word that people don't like, and I think it's really funny. Flaccid. (laughs) The Oxford Languages defines flaccid as soft and hanging loosely or limp, especially so as to look or feel unpleasant. That is it. Oxford Languages in quotes. Here's an example. She took his flaccid hand in hers. Ooh, I don't like flaccid either. I think of limp, lots of gross things like a limp handshake. You know, when you shake someone's hand and they kind of give you this dead fish or the idea of soft and hanging loosely. I'm sorry, guys. It makes me think of your... (laughs) I can't say it, but I can say it. I'm a grown adult. But why am I having a hard time saying it? But you know what I'm talking about. Flaccid. And here's another funny word that people really don't like. Ready for it? Panties. Panties. What is it about panties that gives people an uncomfortable feeling? Is it because it's about female underwear? What is it about pants? Panties. In the UK, it's fun that they actually call your underwear pants. And so when you say that someone put on your pants, (laughs) they actually think of your pants, your underpants. What is it about panties? Actually, I'm starting to see a trend in these words. Is it because they're kind of sexual? Do sexual words make people feel uncomfortable? Moist? Flap? Flaccid? Panties? Interesting. Here it is. 
This word aversion is actually a term called logomesia. Logomesia. And this word aversion come from strong reactions triggered by the sound, sight, and sometimes even the thought of certain words and the feelings that get involved. Like, for example, when you hear moist, flaccid, panties, what comes to your mind? Is it disgust? Do you start feeling disgust? And then if these are very sexually connected words, why do you feel disgust when it comes to sex? I didn't really mean to get to here, but I'm just kind of going with the flow. It brings up an interesting thing that I haven't thought about, this disgust response to these words and how they're connected to being disgusted about sex, about talking about sex, about sexual body parts, about the act of sex. But sex is supposed to be fun and very human and connecting and it can be romantic and it can be an expression of love. And on the other end of the spectrum, I guess it is also could be very traumatic and kind of scary. But disgust? Interesting, hey? Why do we hate in certain words? All this is coming to introduce a word that has been bothering me lately. And it doesn't really conjure up disgust for me. It actually conjures up feelings of anger, resentment. And that word is discipline. This one trigger word that comes up a lot in personal growth, discipline. And it triggers something in me. Like, for example, I am working on losing my COVID weight. And I find myself hesitating on talking about this right now because I have actually hesitated talking about it because I am working on my own body acceptance and body neutrality and body positivity, like to love the body that I'm in. But I do feel uncomfortable in it. And I do know that I feel better when my body is leaner and stronger and lighter instead of this heaviness that I feel. So that is why I'm kind of awkward around talking about losing weight because I'm very much for body acceptance and not shaming women for the number on the scale, defining your worth by your weight or by the size of your pants or by how much space you take when you walk. So I digress, but coming back to the word discipline is required when I'm trying to make this transformation in my body. And the discipline comes in different ways like food and exercise, specifically food and movement and changing the relationship around there. And, you know, not buying into diet culture, but no matter what you want to do, whatever goal you might set requires discipline, requires a discipline change in your habits, your routines, the way you think. And the word discipline just drives me crazy. So get to the point, Karen. I have been trying OMAD, which is a form of intermittent fasting. And OMAD stands for one meal a day. It's an acronym for one meal a day. And the way that OMAD works is basically you have one eating window where you eat a big full meal with no restrictions of carbs or sugars. You just eat what you want and that being your meal for the day. And it's not just about weight loss, but it is also when you fast for longer periods of time, you get into a state of ketosis, you can increase your growth hormone, 
you or your cells get into a place of where they're regenerating. So it helps to balance the state of your body at a cellular level. I'm not a scientist. I'm not very good at speaking scientific terms. It's something I'm working on. But that is the general change other than weight loss that can happen internally. So Usyk has been omatting for the last six months and he has noticed great benefits from it, what I just listed, but also he has increased energy levels because his body is working more efficiently and his skin has become clearer and he's feeling stronger. And so I've really bought into these benefits and have been trying to OMAD and intermittent fast. But what always keeps coming up is my level of discipline. And he keeps bringing up discipline in a very David Goggins style where you have to stay hard and you have to like tell your mind to shut up when you want to eat. And is it really hungry or are you just going to give up your goals? Like that kind of really hardcore approach to discipline. And I noticed that it triggers me because Discipline to me isn't really internalized as focus and commitment and consistency. Discipline to me has been abrasive because I noticed, I realized that discipline actually means to me punishment, following, obeying obedience and getting corrected when you're not disciplined. And how motivating does that sound? Especially when I'm trying to do something that requires the opposite of punishment and controlled behavior and obedience. Like a lot of this diet culture and weight loss in our brains as women comes from internalized messages from patriarchy and misogyny. (laughs) I can go on into that, but you know what I'm talking about, right? Like punishing ourselves, obeying what the patriarchy tells us is beautiful and controlling us in that way where we're only ever thinking about our weight, right? Like I'm trying to escape that, but I realize that the word discipline brings up all those feelings that I'm trying to detach myself from. So the word discipline has not been working for me and maybe it's not working for you, but I looked up the etymology of it and you may or may not know that I kind of have this obsession with words and where they come from and what they mean according to the dictionary. And I've been following Elise Lohanen. I have a hard time pronouncing her name correctly, but she used to be the chief content officer for Goop, Gwyneth Paltrow's company. And now she's out on her own. And I believe she's writing a book about the etymology of certain words and how gender gentrified they are. Not gentrified, but gender is behind these words. And it's so interesting because I have a fascination with words and where they come from. I believe that words aren't just semantics, but that they are logistics. Words can move us and they have the power to really change what we believe in ourselves and which then changes our actions and our results. So coming back to this word discipline, I looked it up and the Oxford languages (laughs) defines it as a noun, the practice of training people to obey rules or a code of behavior using punishment to correct disobedience. So when you enforce discipline as a noun, and it is the controlled behavior resulting from discipline, activity or experience that provides mental or physical training. Okay, that's the discipline that we're kind of bringing into play when we're working on our physical transformation. Discipline is also a system of rules of conduct and a branch of knowledge, typically one studied in higher education. So 
when I read discipline as a noun, I can see why the rebel in me really wants to push it away. The other form of discipline is a verb when you are acting with discipline. And that dictionary definition is when you train someone to obey rules or a code of behavior, using punishment to correct disobedience, punish or rebuke someone formally for an offense, or to train oneself to do something in a controlled and habitual way. So I am confusing these two very different versions of the word discipline. On one hand, one is about punishment and correcting disobedience. And the other one is to train yourself in a controlled and habitual way. But my brain is telling me this is about punishment. Isn't that interesting? So this is how I'm getting around it. Discipline is actually about learning. The etymology of it is disciple. Like in biblical terms, people who followed Jesus were disciples because they were learning from him. So I'm starting to approach discipline in that way. When I am training myself to change my eating habits and to change my exercise habits, I am learning. Like, what am I learning from it? What am I learning in the process? And how can that learning help me become a teacher? And that's actually way more motivating. That's turning discipline on its head, probably in the way it's supposed to be. But I think discipline as punishment sounds like, oh, you got to discipline your children. Or in school, we learned to be disciplined by doing our multiplication tables. Or I remember getting sent to the office to be disciplined because I disobeyed and you're getting punished. It's funny how these trigger words happen. Self-discipline is defined in the Oxford Dictionary a little bit differently as the ability to control one's feelings and overcome one's weaknesses, the ability to pursue what one thinks is right, despite temptations to abandon it. So how does that change when you think about your goals instead of discipline in the punishing and disobedient and controlled state? What if it was self-discipline? where you are controlling your own feelings, where you overcoming your own weaknesses, where you are taking control and empowering yourself to pursue your goals, even though other temptations may try to lead you away. Self-discipline. I really like the word self. And for a long time, I have tried to avoid the word self because In Christian upbringing, the self was so full of sin and my brain interpreted self as selfish and self-centered. And when you focused on yourself, you were focusing yourself away from God. That is how I interpreted the Christianity around me growing up. And over the last three years, when I've really been on this intentional process of deconstructing, really questioning and challenging those Christian beliefs and deciding what is true for me and what I can leave may be contrary to what Christianity is, but it's so different in so many ways. But self, like to be a disciple of Jesus, but also to be a disciple of yourself, to learn from yourself, I guess that's what the Secret Muse Society is about, is learning from yourself so that you can see your own wisdom and you can teach others and show them all the good in them too. I think I'm kind of going on a tangent here, but these words have so much power. And I just want to get you thinking about like, 
how the words you hear in your head, the words that you use to talk about yourself, the words you use to describe yourself, the words you use to align yourself with your dreams and your goals. Notice like when do you have resistance? Like when does it trigger that disgust maybe like the word moist and explore that like our feelings are signals to us they're not just a joke it's telling you something it's suggesting something to you it's saying hey investigate this a little further you'll find something that will work for you i know that for sure perhaps that is something we can be more disciplined in is Well, not perhaps. That is absolutely what this journey is about. The discipline, the learning, the intention of learning about ourselves. And I want to disagree a little bit with the Oxford Dictionary. It's not about controlling our feelings. It's about learning from our feelings, getting curious about them. And it's not about overcoming our weaknesses. How about self-discipline be about accepting our weaknesses? Like make that the daily practice. Accept those weaknesses so that you can really embrace your strengths. Dwell on them. And absolutely though, self-discipline being about pursuing what we feel is right for ourselves. And despite temptation, that temptation is expectations or societal standards. How about we abandon those and create a self-discipline that is more true and more real? Ah, do you feel how the resistance and the disgust kind of melts away? I'll leave you with that. That feels good. That's it for me for today. I'll see you next time, Muse. Thank you for listening to the Secret Muse Society. Don't forget to subscribe to this podcast so you never miss an episode. And if you haven't yet please go to Apple Podcasts to rate and review this podcast so other modern muses like you can find us too. I invite you to continue the conversation and connect with me on Instagram at karenchoy.co. Join me next week for more secrets inspired by you. I'm Karen Choi. Until next time, stay gold.